James asks, who is wise and understanding among you? You might answer, well, we know it when we see it. I saw it at War Memorial Stadium on November the 28th, 2008. It was fourth down, one yard to go at the LSU 24-yard line. Arkansas was trailing 30 to 24, and there was less than a minute to go in the game. Our running backs were small. Big Tigers crowded the line of scrimmage, their backs cheating up to stuff the run. London Crawford, fast but to this point unreliable, had single coverage on the right. The choices were run, short pass, or go for broke. Nothing was guaranteed except that making the first down would still leave 20 yards to go hard slogging against a more talented team. Coach decided that going for broke now would give the Razorbacks their best chance to win the game. Casey Dick threw it up. London Crawford hauled it in. Touchdown, Arkansas. Hogs win. Those were the good old days. <laughs> Knowing that it might well have gone the other way, and yet seeing here the best opportunity to win, playing the odds and rolling the dice, that is football coaching wisdom. Wisdom comes in many flavors. The wise teacher knows when to be strict and when to cut a kid some slack. The wise lawyer knows when to go to trial and when to cut a deal. The wise ninth grader knows to stay out of a car whose driver has been drinking. The wise high school graduate goes off to college and finds new friends to match her values rather than the other way around. Wisdom is discernment. It perceives the opportunities and dangers in a situation, and it has a feel for the best choice that will most likely yield the desired result. None of us is wise as we would like to be. You can raise your hand if you've never played the fool. But there is a lot of accumulated wisdom in this room. Wisdom for doctoring and nursing, for teaching and leading and lawyering, and just for growing up. And we bring this wealth of wisdom with us into church on Sunday morning. And here, we ask God to help us understand our varieties of wisdom within the compass of a wisdom of a higher and a wider sort. The wisdom about God and about the value and dignity and worth of our own lives. This wisdom the early Greek-speaking Christians called Hagia Sophia, holy wisdom. So you're that wise eighth grader who has recognized that drugs might ruin a life even before it started to unfold. And you bring this street sense with you into church, and you find that it folds into this larger meaning, which is that God has made you in his image. 
which means that God has endowed you with godlike freedom and godlike responsibilities and a godlike capacity to think and love. And for all we know, there may not be any other creatures in the universe who hold so much value and potential as the creatures in this room. To your value and potential, there is nothing, you eighth grader, that drugs can add. They can only take away. And to see this is Hagia Sophia, holy wisdom. Religion is how we position ourselves in relation to that which we hold sacred. My teacher Christopher Morris said that. What we hold sacred is the truth about God and about the value and meaning of our lives. This truth is gospel, which means that the truth about God and the value and meaning of our lives is good. It is not that we in here are naive about the realities of sin, suffering, and evil, but it is that in Jesus Christ, our eyes are open to the realities of sin, suffering, and evil as overcome. This is the wisdom of the cross, the sacred truth around which we as Christians organize our lives. And this truth guides our discernment, our reading of the situations and their opportunities and dangers, and it guides our conception of the desired result. What is wisdom to us looks like foolishness to some. That has always been true, and lately, perhaps, it's more so. Echoing Carl Sagan, Neil deGrasse Tyson intoned, the cosmos is all that ever that is or was or ever will be. Metaphysical materialism is the name for that philosophy. Metaphysical materialism rejects the idea of God as a superstition and the idea of human beings as cosmically important as grandiose. It wants to justify those rejections with science. Steven Weinberg, a Nobel laureate in physics, famously wrote, It is almost irresistible to believe that we have some special relation to the universe that human life is not just a farcical outcome of a chain of accidents, but that somehow we were built in from the beginning. It is very hard for us to realize that the, the entire Earth is just a tiny part of an overwhelmingly hostile universe. The more the universe seems comprehensible, the more it also seems pointless, he said. Robert Penn Warren's great novel, All the King's Men, evokes metaphysical materialism as the dream of our age. His protagonist, Jack Burden, flees the mess that he has made of his life in old, corrupt, Christ-haunted Louisiana, and he heads west to California. So I fled west, and in the west, at the end of history, the last man on that last coast on my hotel bed. I had discovered the dream. That dream was the dream that all life is but the dark heave of the blood and the twitch of the nerve. And when you flee as far as you can flee, you will always find that dream, which is the dream of our age. 
The Weinberg quote is familiar to workers in my academic field of theology and science. I ran across it often. For example, in a book by Stephen Barr, Modern Physics and Ancient Faith. Barr is a physicist and a philosopher and a very good theologian. And his book is an excellent presentation of the strong case that physics actually supports a conclusion the opposite of Weinberg's. That is to say, the better we understand our universe in detail, the further it affirms our faith that, as the psalmist said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus told us that we should be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves, meaning that we should be alert to the potential for evil that other people would do to us, but we shouldn't stoop to their level. That is a very high bar for Christian behavior. The Christian faith also sets a very high bar for faithful thinking. We perceive we, uh, our, our theology should be as reasonable as Aristotle and as faithful as the Virgin Mary. We perceive reason and faith and faith and reason. Reason and faith. A great practitioner of that was St. Augustine, who 1,600 years, years ago philosophically anticipated key elements of Big Bang Theory and Darwinian evolution. One of the mind-bending discoveries of modern physics is that not only the universe, but that time itself has a beginning. T equals zero at the Big Bang. This science corroborates Augustine's ancient wisdom. I quote, there can be no time without creation. In technical papers on quantum cosmology, one finds citations to St. Augustine's confessions. As to Darwin, Augustine warned in very caustic terms that it was a mistake for Christians to insist that the Bible be interpreted literally at points where that literal interpretation contradicts informed scientific judgment. Denying evolution in the name of faith would be an example. Augustine said this only makes Christians look like fools, and then our foolishness becomes a stumbling block for learned unbelievers. I quote, now it is a disgraceful and dangerous thing for an infidel to hear a Christian, presumably giving the meaning of Holy Scripture, talking nonsense. If they find a Christian mistaken in a field which they themselves know well and hear him maintaining his foolish opinions about the Bible, then how are they going to believe the Bible in matters concerning the resurrection from the dead and the hope for eternal life? in the kingdom of heaven. And then, having said that, in 15 centuries before Darwin published The Origin of Species, Augustine offered his own non-literal interpretation of the Genesis creation story, going so far as to suggest that in some cases, God may have initially provided just the raw materials for life from which species could sus subsequently develop. That is to say that St. Augustine recognized the possibility of evolution. This would have to represent a high watermark in the history of reasonable and thankful, faithful thinking.
Wisdom nurtures reason and faith, and it recognizes faith and reason. Science itself is an exercise of faith, faith in the value of the truth, faith in the world's intelligibility and order, and faith in our capacity to understand. Human beings thrive on faith and reason. In theology, in science, and in football coaching, and in lawyering, doctoring, teaching, parenting, and simply growing up. This wisdom is the art of being human.